This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog. With me today are two special guests whose names are Eric Anderson. Hello. And a new special guest, Nathan Marchand. How you doing? Oh, oh we're getting all French now, are we, huh? <laughs> it seemed like the right way to say it. Yeah. Well, hello, everyone. You can call me Nate if you wish. And much like I say on my YouTube show, sometimes my mouth will go faster than my brain. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> all right. Our topic today is something that both of these gentlemen brought up. So we're going to talk about it. <laughs> and it is most succinctly put as video games inspiring other media. So usually video games are were at some point based upon licenses like, you know, comic books or movies and that sort of thing. But in recent years, we've seen an influx of things that go the reverse direction. So a video game franchise inspires movies or board games or uh other kinds of music or that sort of thing. So, you know, take us away. <laughs> who, who, who wants to talk about this? Well, <laughs> well, we're both here to talk about that. Yeah. So I think first off, let's talk about what is your favorite or what, what is the video game type video game going to a movie that was actually that you think was actually your favorite if you had to pick because they, they don't have a good um track record what's the the word that yeah most people when they think video game going to movie do not think anything good no <laughs> so well now for me it depends on if you want me to talk about ones that i think are actually good or ones that i like ironically <laughs> well maybe you like them <laughs> genuinely you're just you're just saying you enjoy it ironically well but one of my one of my guilty pleasures is the Van Damme Street Fighter movie from the mid-90s, but only because of Raul Julia as M. Bison. <laughs> Any scene he is in, he just, he rocks. Because Raul Julia is that kind of an actor. And he has, honestly, the best lines in the movie. No matter, it doesn't matter how cheesy the script got, he just, he went with it. And he went full tilt crazy with it, I mean, you know the, you know the whole, you know, for you, <laughs> the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or when he's actually using an arcade stick to try to blow oh, yeah. up the, 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 the blow up the heroes, you know, GI Joe speedboat, you know, and then he it, it explodes and he goes game. Oh, <laughs> who even wrote that? Uh, it was the director, and I don't remember his name. Although, you know, kind of going along, you know what's really funny? That first we had the video game that inspired the movie, and then there was a game based on that movie. Yeah, and that that game is super awful. <laughs> no one should ever yeah. mention it again. I played I didn't it. Even it's know stupid. about it, so that. Yeah, yeah, it's, your point. it's Street Fighter the movie, the game. Yeah, yeah, and it looks like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, it's really super broken, and it's yeah, <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah, so that's that's one of mine, but like that's one I like ironically. Of course, 
there was also Mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah, a lot of fighting game kind of things going on here. Yeah. I like the Probably Mortal Kombat movie. The first one. Yeah. I mean, but you can enjoy it like just as an action movie and not like based off the game, video game, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The, and again, that one is helped by the fact that they have a very impressive actor playing the villain because Shang Tsung in that, that guy's face. That's <laughs> <laughs> so yes. severe. I, yes. I love that face he makes when he says, your soul is mine. <laughs> he was actually in one episode of Stargate SG-1 uh, as yes. the bad guy, and he was amazing in it. What is that guy's name? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't either. I recognize him every time I see him, but I never remember his name. Yeah, that's because it's uh, probably long. <laughs> it's probably one of those weird Asian names that we're like, what? Oh, weird Asian names. <laughs> that uh, okay. only sounded mildly racist. Yeah, yeah, only a little bit. Yeah, well, I've been to China. I love the Chinese people. Oh, and he's Japanese, I guess. Okay. His, his name is Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. Oh, okay. Oh. Like, I will never remember that, unfortunately. No. <laughs> but he's a great actor. Yeah. yeah. But yes, uh, the the first Mortal Kombat yeah, is fun, and you can enjoy it as a good action movie. Yeah, but not the second one. No one will ever recommend that. Not in good conscience. No. <laughs> I saw five minutes of it once on TV, and I changed the channel. I was like, this is painful. Yeah, Make it's, it stop. It's fan service <laughs> and like time travel all at the same time. It's, yeah, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. See, and, and I was confused as to why they... Sw- you know, they switched actresses for, um, uh, what's her name? Why can't I remember her name? Sonia. Sonia, yeah. For Sonia, they switched actresses, and I, like, they should have stayed with the other actress. They changed a lot of the actors between movies. Yeah. And I, which was unfortunate because Christopher Lambert is Raiden? Gold. Yeah, but not yeah. when he's not there. <laughs> it's just a different, <laughs> some guy. The only thing that would have made his performance as Raiden any better was if he said something about there being only one. I'm not going to spell out the reference there. You'll have to figure it out yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Child of the 80s. All right. Uh, What about the Tomb Raider movies? Do you see him, not see him? I I saw them. I I saw one of them. I I enjoyed them, but they're not like movies I, I... jump to go see i but i did enjoy them when i saw them yeah yeah the i all i can remember about the first one other than everyone making a big deal about angelina jolie was the the slow-mo dagger throw at the end and then laura croft goes over and like grabs the dagger by hand and turns it around and i think it stabs somebody else I mean, it's not a half-bad adaptation, but it's not like Lara Croft was some kind of fully featured character. She's just like Indiana Jones that is a woman. Mm -hmm. It also wears revealing clothing, but (laughs) let's not get into that. Let's see. There were also Resident Evil movies. Did anyone see any of those? Because I didn't. I did see several. Uh, So I did see them, most of them. And sometimes... Sometimes I felt like it's just a big chance to show a bunch of gore, but I can't say they did seem to be a little bit easier to watch than some zombie movies. Yeah, it's, when it comes to that, um, well, zombies aren't really my thing, so I'm just yeah. curious how they actually are because there's like a million Resident Evil movies. 
Yeah. I I thought they were all right. I feel like they focus so much on the one female character that it's almost like, let's just have a chance to have a girl throw off her legs and beat people up. And she's not even from the games, too. That's the thing. Yeah. She isn't? Is it Jill Valentine, or is it... They did. No. She's in the. Uh, she's in I, at least the second one, and I think maybe one or two others. I think one of the ones they did the. They had like they tried to adapt the the Resident Evil Five version of her, but most of the time they're following that blonde chick around, and she's not from the games. That's confusing. <laughs> I know. I think the only reason they did that is because she married the director of the first one. Oh, and then she kept showing up. <laughs> just for no reason not to mention I've heard some people joke about how it seemed like every single one of those movies had to have a nude scene with her it's like they had to jerry rig a nude scene in there somehow at least one <laughs> yeah maybe that's why I haven't watched any of them I think the, the games are a little more interesting because they're B-movie and they seem to be self-awarely so yeah it's just yeah. unfortunately it seems like they've been going downhill since Resident Evil Five, I guess. I don't know. I don't follow those games, so oh, six I take like, other people's word at it. Six is like a Michael Bay movie. That's <laughs> pretty good. No, it's. Like, I've, had, I've it's, played some of it. It's and expectations. I thought it was, yeah. People like the survival horror thing. They don't like the action movie thing. So, like Resident Evil Six is not really a survival horror game. Neither is Five, I guess. But. But this is probably why my brother loves them. <laughs> No surprise there. Uh, how about the Prince of Persia movie? I actually <laughs> thought it was pretty good, but I've only ever seen it once, and that was in a movie theater when it first came out. I saw it on TV, and I enjoyed it, but I haven't played the game. So, uh, Surprisingly accurate to the actual Sands of Time game. Really? Yeah, it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. I-, I was actually a little surprised that they even bothered to keep it in line with the game, but I mean, obviously they take a bunch of creative liberties with it, but it ends up the same way. I could have easily seen it turn into a franchise, but that didn't happen. It flopped, which I thought was surprising because I thought it was the, that was the for me, it was the first genuinely good video game movie I had seen. One that I could like and not be ironic about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it might just be the name is just not a draw. I mean, if you had a Call of Duty movie, everybody see it. But <laughs> if you have a Prince of Persia movie... Yeah, except the thing with Call of Duty is that you could take any generic World War II movie and slap the name on it and call it an adaptation. Yeah, That's what's stupid. But people yeah. will go see it. I know, but not because <laughs> they should. No, not because they should, but because Call of Duty. <sighs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they could do the modern warfare thing. Um... And do a movie based off the modern warfare Call of Duties. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, if they, if they followed the right character, it could be interesting. Yeah, it could be. Could be. Might not be. Yeah, like, I, I think it really depends on which character they choose to follow for I, that. I have not played any of the campaigns of a Call of Duty game, so I don't know anything mm. at this point. So I'm not sure whether there even is a lore. In the Call of Duty universe. Apparently there is, but no one ever talks about it. <laughs> yeah, because there's it's like it's like about. it's like people acknowledge that single player exists in Call of Duty, but no one cares. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's the thing that would make doing a movie about it difficult is because people don't care about the campaign. All they care about is just, hey, let's go shoot people. Um, so <laughs> that would make doing a movie on it kind of... Strange. Yeah. Yeah, this and, is uh, kind of a different topic, but I, I honestly think that there are other video games out there that would be better for movie adaptations than others. But yeah, okay. oh, like you mean I said, like Super a, Mario Brothers? Is that? What oh, you, you want to talk about that? I was going to say, <laughs> do we want to approach that subject? You want to talk about Super Mario Brothers? Because that's that's a different one. As an eight-year-old, I thought it was a great movie, but you know, I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, as a kid, I did find the movie amusing, even though it was quite unlike the games. But let's be honest, that's a difficult game to try to adapt into a film. Yeah, because it's more like <laughs> yes. a, a psychedelic trip, <laughs> if you actually look yeah. at it. Yeah, with magic right. mushrooms. <laughs> magic mushrooms everywhere, <laughs> and dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. It's a very strange film. Uh, it, it is, but... In a way, I kind of want to like that one, ironically, too. Even though I know people hate it, and I think it deserves all the hate it gets. Yeah, it's Bob Hoskins' greatest role. Everyone knows this. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll just forget about Roger Rabbit. Anyway, (laughs) but I don't know. It's just, I guess it kind of falls under that thing where, uh, under that category of, you know, train wrecks, where you just sit there and you watch the train wreck because it's fun to watch the train wreck. (laughs) <laughs> right I don't know but like I said I do think it deserves all the hate that it gets although there are still a few lines in it that I like to randomly quote I haven't seen know. it since the 90s so I don't know anything about it's it it's been at least 10 years since I watched it 10 years Oof. all I'll say is, is that if you really want to want to freak somebody out just walk up to them and randomly say trust the fungus <laughs> <laughs> I remember that part. <laughs> I remember that, and I also remember the thing where the where Dennis Hopper as Koopa zaps a guy with like the de-evolution gun or whatever, turns him into a chimp, and then he points at it and says, "Monkey." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And they did not have high standards for those movies. No, and I heard even Bob Hoskins hated it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but then he went on but- to. Uh, beast me so yeah, yeah well. but they tr- they sequel baited in that movie so bad though you get to the end and the princess shows back up and she looks like she's gone all terminator and she tells her you need to come back things got worse or something i mean <laughs> <laughs> and then a sequel never happened and then they had a post credit scene that was a joke about the video game where you had those two goofy goons that worked for koopa and they're talking to these two japanese guys and they're saying we want to make a video game based on your adventures and then it's them and it's not the mario brothers <laughs> wow and then they and the, one of the titles they suggested for it was the super koopa cousins oh man please stop <laughs> i know i'm sorry so uh, to to move on um what about cartoons i remember as a kid, I watched the Captain N cartoon all the time, and oh, I Captain pretty much N. had each episode memorized <laughs> oh, that I saw. Oh, man. How about Captain Link? N. How about the adventures of Link? <laughs> well, excuse me. Oh, man, it's so bad. <laughs> you forgot Princess. 
<laughs> oh God! <laughs> Please no. <laughs> you watch that and you and you realize there's a reason Link never talks in the games. <laughs> <laughs> that Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Mm. My favorite as a as a kid was the the American Mega Man cartoon. That was really weird. It was kind of weird, but it was also I thought it actually did pretty well. I mean, I would have expected if they were going to make a, a cartoon based on those games, doing a kind of a you know evil plot of the week sort of a show with it actually made sense. And there are a couple of episodes that stand out. You know, the 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 first episode is an adaptation of the first game. There's an episode where Mega Man X shows up, and that one was really fun. <laughs> That's yeah, weird. X. I'm not kidding. Mega Man X shows up in one episode. See when hmm. when I see that when I see that show, I when I was a kid, I was like, the rules of this show are different from the rules of the video game. Like Mega Man does things in that series that he can't do in any of the video games. Like what? Like he'll just whip out a weapon that he doesn't even have yet, right? And he'll just. Like, I don't remember that. Out. Yeah, I think he does at one point or another. Not to beat a dead horse again, but you, we've we've already talked about Street Fighter quite a bit with movies, but yet it also has quite a bit with anime and cartoons. Yes, there were there have been several anime movies. There was an anime television series in the nineties. There was a very cheesy. <laughs> Nine American-made show that was a sequel to the movie. Oddly enough, is that the one where uh, Bison says yes a whole lot? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or should I say yes? Yes. yes. Oh, Man, it's like every single video game show is an internet meme at some point or another. <laughs> well, yeah. that's because all those kids grew up and discovered the internet. <laughs> yep. And you want to remember your childhood memories. <laughs> yeah. Even if they weren't necessarily good. There was that's a, another that one I have to like ironically too. <laughs> there was a Darkstalkers series at some point, I think. Yeah, which is funny you bring that up because I have a friend who just found the DVD collection of that at a half price books. Yeah. It, and he was kind of excited yeah. about it, but then he watched it and he said, This is oh, yeah. so bad. It's bad. It's super bad. <laughs> like it's even worse than the Street Fighter one, if that's even possible. Yeah, well, the way I look at it, because Cap- that was one of three American-made Capcom shows that were in the uh, made in the 90s, and the way- I have a hierarchy for it I- after gleaming some information. It's like Darkstalkers on one side of the spectrum just being bad. Then the Street Fighter show, there are points where you could tell it's trying, but it's hampered by things like budget. So (laughs) sometimes it tries to be good. Sometimes it's so bad it's good. And then I think the Mega Man show actually is genuinely good. Just if you you know get past some of those goofy things about it. There's an anime I think based off the Battle Network series. If I had to guess, I think there is one. Battle Network? What's that? Yeah, well, it's um, Mega Man had a bunch of spinoffs, so. One of them oh, was Battle Network. Oh, yeah. that one. Oh, the Battle... Okay, that. See, I, I never played Battle Network, so when you say Battle Network to me, I don't think Mega Man. Or, I think I think online uh, Blizzard game multiplayer. 
or it's but called, that's Battle Net, or it's called <laughs> NT Warrior, I guess. That that's if you said NT Warrior, I would have remembered. Yeah, well, they I don't know why they called the series different things. It makes no sense. And I think Darkstalkers also had an anime OVA, which is like two, three, four episodes. Yeah. That one is pretty good. Really? Yeah. So I've talked to some people who say it's not. Or it's horrifically violent, though, as far as I remember. I've also heard it's quite boring. It's based off the actual plot of the games, which is something, even if the plot doesn't make that much sense. That's just, unfortunately, kind of how a lot of Capcom games are. <laughs> There's also some really bad Final Fantasy anime. Oh, yeah. I always heard about it, but never saw it. I saw the animated movie they did off of uh, the spirits within. spirits within. The spirits yeah. within. Except that's really only Final Fantasy in name. <laughs> yeah. Although technically, the guy who was the director of the first six—no, the first five games—or the creator of Final Fantasy, he was the actual director of the movie. So it is yeah. kind of Final Fantasy. Yeah, but it, like I said, it's still it's not any of the games. It's just it's Final Fantasy in name. It's you know it's the movie based on the game that never got made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like Alec Baldwin's in it. <laughs> yeah, that's the other weird thing. That was actually the first movie I can remember seeing where I was genuinely weirded out because it was so out there at the time for me when I was watching it. Yeah, it is super weird. Like the whole premise. Yeah, yeah, once you find out what the premise is. <laughs> yeah, that takes a little bit. How yeah. about Advent Children? Did anyone even see that or like it? I, I did. Okay. I've seen it multiple times because I had to show it to multiple people. And I actually enjoy that one. I can remember at that point I was scrub right before the... And that was the movie that never seemed like it would ever come out because <laughs> I had a bunch of friends in college who were obsessed with trying to get information on the movie and find out when the release date would be and and i was also scrambling to finish final fantasy 7 <laughs> before <laughs> the movie time, came yeah. out <laughs> and but it, it had been years since the game had been released i was playing it on my playstation 2 i was like this is a game i know i have to play so i started playing it and there was so much hype around sephiroth and everything that he was really intimidating to the point where I had my characters were all ridiculously high level, so that when I fought <laughs> Sephiroth, he was kind of easy. Or just cast Knights of the Round once and win. Uh, unfortunately, I tried my darndest to get Knights of the Round, but I quickly learned to hate Chocobo races. Oh, you're not a Chocobo racer. Oh, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I quickly yeah. learned to hate it because I, and no matter what I did, I could never get it to work. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine. You can beat him anyway. It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did want to get Knights of the Round really bad, though. <laughs> and Advent Children, on the other hand, is... Uh, <laughs> it's you a know, little nonsensical I, at times. It is. I want to see the director's cut. There's supposed to be a, an extended director's cut that apparently has more plot. Yeah, because I've played Final Fantasy VII multiple times, and I don't understand that at all. <laughs> it doesn't make any I under- sense. I understood it, but I had just finished the game right before I saw it, so maybe that's yeah. everything was kind of fresh in my mind. I don't know, but 
that's a high barrier to entry. <laughs> it well, must have been it is. Game right it, it really it. It, the, that movie cannot be watched and understood by people who have not played the game. I really think yeah. that's the well, biggest drawback that it has. The animation is great. The yeah, fight yeah. scenes are great, and it does touch on some story elements from the game that I really wish that they had touched on more, and tries to give resolution to it. So I appreciated the movie for that. Plus, you get to see Cloud smile at the end because that never happens. So here is a, another um, another question because one of the things I liked about Captain N series was you had a bunch of characters from different video games together. Yeah, it was kind of like the cartoon for Smash Brothers, but was before Smash Brothers. Yeah, it was um, like a crossover. Yeah, yeah. Except Mega Man in that game looked like Bobby Hill in spandex, and he talked like Popeye. <laughs> yeah, his outfit is a little off. <laughs> just about everybody in that in that show is off wait is, yeah. he, is kid yes. harris in that yes okay yeah yeah i can't really does he look like kid icarus sort of <laughs> he, looked, he wasn't in he it very harris. much he wasn't a mainstay mm. he was he looked more like cupid to be honest <laughs> like a cherubic cupid but anyway eric was going somewhere with that we kind of derailed um, it sorry <laughs> what for any kind of a whether it was whether it be a cartoon, a movie, if they did do a crossover between different games, what would you want to see them do with it? When I was a kid, for whatever reason, I wanted to see a crossover between Star Fox and Mega Man, but only because I was a fan of both franchises as a kid. Right, crossovers—they're strange. <laughs> yeah, but I they're want, fun. I want everyone to stay in their own universe. <laughs> Do you? But then Smash, but then Smash Brothers happens. <laughs> yeah, well, Smash Brothers is okay because it's like doesn't make any sense. Here are things everyone fight now, <laughs> and apparently the master villain is a giant glove. <laughs> Crazy hand, master hand. I guess is a new one now. He's like a <laughs> giant blob who turns into a fortress that you have to fight through. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> don't ask me. I don't make this stuff up. That's, I wonder classics? if that's in, influenced by the glove that Nintendo had in the late 80s. Oh, the Power Glove? Maybe yeah. it is. Maybe it is. <laughs> Probably okay, a, a throwback to the Power Glove. Yeah, uh, here's well, a reference, here's a reference for you. I love the Power Glove. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> the Wii U is compatible with the Power Glove. You can play Smash Brothers with it. Are you kidding? No, yes, I am kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is I'm willing to believe Nintendo would do that <laughs> yeah yep um, oh man so Nate tell us about your explorations of video game music I have discovered that there are a lot of b- indie bands popping up that are tribute slash cover bands for a lot of uh, video games. And one of my personal favorites is a band called The Megas. They're a group from California, and they do concept albums of cover music based on the old NES Mega Man games. And they just released part two of a two-part album for Mega Man 3. And what makes them interesting is they take this, you know, the simple stories of those games and and really expand on them, and they they develop the characters and kind of develop their own little 
expanded versions of the stories of each of those games. And they actually make in their newer albums they actually make references to the previous albums that they've done. So they do callbacks. It's a lot of fun, actually. And they're genuinely talented musicians, too. So the 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 musicianship is a high caliber as well. So you like the Megas because they are a Mega Man cover band or because they're a genuinely good band? <laughs> Both. Because <Okay. laughs> I like they... the Proto Men. If I had to choose my Mega Man crossover band... I choose the Proto Men, <laughs> but I like I prog rock. Listen to some pro- I want to listen to the Proto Men because the yeah, they're more very much more serious than the Megas. It depends on which album you're talking about uh, for the Megas, because so- or even just some of the songs. Like some songs are very tongue in cheek, funny. Like the- they have one on uh, one of their albums, which is about Ma- uh, Magnet Man, and it turns out Magnet Man has a crush on Roll. Get it, chick Magnet? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And then they have other ones, the like a lot of the songs off of the their newest album, quite serious actually, and deal with some really heady stuff and dark stuff too. You know, do they, do they reframe yeah, fr- uh, the entire Mega Man narrative as an Orwellian dystopia? Yeah, actually, especially <laughs> with the newer with the newest album, they they do, especially with Proto Man. Proto Man is spending a lot of his time questioning. He's having an existential crisis, trying to figure a lot of things out about where his place is in the world and such, and why his father, Dr. Light, seemed to like Mega Man more than him and all these things. And Mega Man, at the end of their Mega Man 2 album, was having an existential crisis about whether or not fighting Wily and his robots was even the right thing to do. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you know, actually, video game music is so ubiquitous on the internet, it's, we would, like, be here for days trying to even cover it. Right. Yeah. Like, remixes, yeah. and you've got uh, Overclock Remix. I love Overclock yeah. Remix. They've got, like, 30,000 songs. It's, my mind is, like, boggled. I heard it was only 3,000. Is it? But okay. Well, 3,000. I have, a, only because I have a friend <laughs> who, the last time I saw him, he was in the process of downloading their entire library. <laughs> Because they just posted their three thousandth song. Yeah, man. Would would that be our buddy Joe? No, that would be Nick Hayden. Oh, okay. Because uh, I have to name drop Nick Hayden everywhere yes. I go. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad he's been name dropped. I have no idea who he is. But <laughs> please support him. Uh, Nick is a friend of ours who's a very intelligent and very cool guy who ha- has authored several books. Ah. Uh, yeah. I uh, I wish I was as good of a writer as he is. I'm talented and I've got my own stuff published. I've collaborated with Nick on a lot of things, but just like Nick is, it's like he is Obi-Wan Kenobi and I am, you know, you know, <laughs> uh, Luke Skywalker, the noob. You know? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. He, when, when he took, Two years and two years of great chemist three points. Yeah. And he took it for fun. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Greek for fun. Yes, but back to our uh Yeah. <laughs> but you, you really can't I have not been able to go like two websites without seeing video game music in some shape or form. Or even just like chip tunes in general, right? That's just yeah. video game that is using video game like hardware to make new music that is completely unrelated to the old stuff. Mm. 
Interesting. I know. I, remember, I think... Oh. I remember we used to use video game remixes as background music when we played board games in college. Uh, that was a very fun thing to do. I really enjoyed it. Actually, Eric, this, I'm glad you brought up board games. Because there have been a few video games that try to venture out into the the board game sphere. Have you ever yes. played any of them? Um, not uh, not that I can recall. I ha- see. I was at when I was at Gen Con this last year. I wish I would have been able to check out and really get into this new Mega Man board game they're coming out with. Oh yes. Um, Unfortunately, it did not work out, which is very sad. Um, but it looks quite interesting. And I know that uh, there is, for Hero Clicks, there are Street Fighter Hero Clicks. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it would not surprise of me. Of course. Right? Yes, of course. <laughs> it would not surprise me if someone has or, or at some point will come out with um, HeroScape. Uh, custom characters using those figures. Because um, that's what most of the Heroscape customs are. They take figures from other games and create a character around it. They've done it with a lot of Marvel and DC characters. and um, But, yeah, the, the Mega Man board game, I'm very interested in seeing how that turns out. Um, well, the, the reason I bring it up is there was one that well, is noteworthy for me. The game is unfortunately out of print now. The board game, I should say, hmm. and it was one I always wanted to play but never got a chance to. And that was there was a StarCraft board game. Yeah, and there was I a WarCraft. I hearing too. something about it. I've yeah. seen it at yeah. first, but I've never played it. They even made a Brood War expansion for the board game. Yeah, which I thought I was funny. You know yeah. what? They made it a looked- they made a WarCraft one too. Oh yeah. Yes, um, I'm just remember. I did play the Civilization board game. I uh, think two times in college, um, and that one was really long. But I like long games, like Risk long, or depends on uh, what kind of risk. Like Axis and Allies long. Okay. Oh <laughs> that's man, really, that's long. <laughs> um, and it, it's an all day thing. Um, it was really like fun. I really weekend. enjoyed it. And I hope I hope someday I can get into it again and, and play it out again because it was very very enjoyable. So um, there actually have been there have been a few attempts in recent years to try and kind of hybridize video games and board games. A couple of them that I can think of were just um, using computer programs to handle timing for certain things in the board games. Mm-hmm. So the best example of that is Space Alert. Space Alert is an amazing game. It's a cooperative game where you are trying to protect a spaceship as it is scanning a sector. And the system, the the MP3 uh, that you have playing during the game will tell you when there's an enemy coming. And it will also, also have points where there's this, shh, this white noise thing. And during those times, you cannot talk to each other. You cannot communicate. And for to have instances in a cooperative game where you cannot communicate because your comm system is down is makes it quite interesting. Um, the, the other one that tried to do something similar with that was 
called Cataclysm, and I demoed it at Gen Con. It's something that's still in development. And that one I was not so impressed with. I felt that all the system did was try to do some timing things, and they didn't even let us use it for the timing things. We ended up playing it as just a normal board game without it. Hmm. Um, there were some cutscenes that they had on the in the app for it, and that was about all we got to experience. Um, so that was kind of upsetting for me. I, so the one thing I do need to check out, though, is Golem Arcana. Uh, Golem Arcana is an attempt at miniatures games, but using a an app for an iPad or a phone to where you don't have to remember all of the intricate numbers involved with things. Oh, that's great. So you just scan the, uh, the miniature and it tells you, okay, here's where his health is, here's where his attack is, here's the type of movements you, you do. And you scan the chart and put them there, and the the computer system keeps track of all of those little details for you. That would make board games like this a hundred times more accessible. Yeah, and that's what it's supposed to do: is to make things more accessible. Um, so that one, uh, it was at Grand Con. I saw them being played several times. Every time I was in the middle of something else, oh. and so I did not get to demo it. I didn't really find the theme quite as appealing. It was a very dark theme. But the overall idea was very appealing. So it's that game you were talking about. It's kind of like sounds kind of like Skylanders to me, yeah. or Disney Infinity. Yeah, except you're. It's kind of the opposite. You're you're, um, moving around the board and just using the computer for info rather than placing the figure on the thing and then using the buttons to really play it out. Okay. So it's a, it's kind of a similar idea, but a little bit in reverse. But yeah, we haven't talked about one thing we have not talked about yet that we really oh, do. I want to talk about one other game. You you guys probably don't know what this is, but it's a video game, like a Japanese role-playing game, that plays like a board game. Okay. <laughs> it's called Unlimited Saga, and it sold terribly when it came out here in the United States like 10 years ago. But the entire game is literally like... A D and D thing. Okay, <laughs> it no sounds joke. vaguely familiar. I know it's, but it's really <laughs> strange. Like the game gives you zero direction and doesn't tell you how to play, so you just kind of have to like <laughs> figure it out yourself. And hey, I, yeah. There should have been a disclaimer on it that said, "Hey, actually read the instruction manual." Well, you can't read the instruction manual because the instruction manual doesn't seem to know either. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like. It's an interesting game because it has all these strange, obscure interactions and rules, right? And you're still going across, like, a board, and then you're, like, you know, rolling the dice when you're in, like, combat to attack and that sort of thing. And finding, crafting materials to make new weapons, all this kind of stuff. But it's just super strange because it's a video game that is inspired by a board game, but it plays more like a board game than a video game. <laughs> yeah. That does sound like a weird. Concept. I'd say try it out, but the learning curve is so dense that it would take you a long time to figure it out. Mm. It, it's uh, that uh, that that learning curve is so steep; it's a hairpin curve, right? It's like yeah. you go right back where you were. The guy <laughs> who's the guy who's uh, designed those, 
he designed all the other saga games, which are like strange, strange games that don't tell you their rules very clearly. So <laughs> that's his kind of design. But this is like just so straightforwardly a board game that it's just really weird. Hmm. Anyway, continue. <laughs> this is the only podcast uh, I'm ever going to get to mention that game, so <laughs> I do it now. Yeah. yeah. We have not talked about Defiance, and I think that's because most of us haven't really checked it out a whole lot. But Yeah, but that's an MMO and a television series. Yes, and it started out, instead of let's go from the TV to the MMO or the MMO to the TV, it started out as a combined experience right off the bat. And mm-hmm. you didn't find it that compelling. <laughs> I, yeah, I watched the TV show and it just didn't sync with me well. Oh. Um, I would have tried to watch it, but I don't have cable. Yeah, it just, there was a lot with sexuality in it and it just really kind of, it was predictable. The very first episode, I was like, wow, you could see that coming a mile away. Um <laughs> And I was not impressed with the TV show at all. And I used to really, I mean, back in the day when Sci-Fi had Stargate and Eureka and they were starting where I was 13, I was a big fan of the Sci-Fi channel, but not anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like they're trying to fix that. But actually, I just thought of something that's along those lines where you have uh, a video game that interacts in some way with some other form of media that is uh we haven't talked about web series because there are web series that are based on video games but the one i'm thinking of specifically right now is halo forward under dawn which is actually for what i understand is canonical within the halo universe so you're actually seeing a story within the game universe mm. wow that's it, really out there has anyone seen uh, seen forward under dawn i saw it on netflix they have it as a movie on Netflix, so all of the episodes put together as one uh, movie. I saw it on DVD. I think it so. Comes, it was all edited together. I think it comes with the Halo Master Chief Collection, if I had to guess. Okay. Also, yeah. so if you don't have Netflix for whatever reason, you have an Xbox One. Yeah, but I just thought I just found that interesting because it's probably the closest thing we're going to get to an actual Halo movie. But what I thought was cool about it was that even though Master Chief is in it, he's not the main character. Yeah. He, he's just some guy that comes in at the end to help with some things. Yeah. And they're all confused because none of the characters understand what he is. Yeah. Which makes it quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I was just uh, – uh, I just thought it was cool because we got to see – Parts of the Halo, because I love the Halo universe. I don't own an Xbox, which is one of my few regrets for not owning an Xbox. But uh, the, we get to see parts of the Halo universe that may have been hinted at, but we never got to see in this. Yeah. So we get to see the we get to see an academy for UNSGC soldiers, you know, and we get to see what you know what they did as part of their training. We get to see and hear about different aspects of the Covenant War that we didn't see in the games. And there's a bunch and of novels had, too, aren't there? Yeah, there are novels as well. Yes. There, there, there's another thing we could talk about is the video games showing up in books. Yeah. yeah well, I sometimes haven't really good read books. any of the book tie-ins for video games, so you guys will have to take hold of that. Uh, some thing. of them are really bad. <laughs> 
Like the Mega Man 2 novelization, for example. There is a Mega Man 2 novelization? Yeah. How did I not know about this? It's from this, like, series called Worlds of Power. Uh, it was, like, a scholastic thing back in the day. They're oh, mostly man. written by one guy. Yeah, they're really bad. They're worth what reading about- for fun, since you seem to enjoy ironic fun. Well, what about comic books? There have been some video game comic books, too. Including some really long-running ones. Oh, Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, like Sonic and Archie. Yeah, 20 years and counting, I think, the Sonic. I know, it's ridiculous. I I read some of them, but I was kind of confused by them. (laughs) (laughs) It's just as bad in the game, so don't worry about it. Yeah, I know. I I gave up trying to figure out Sonic the Hedgehog video game continuity a long time ago. Sonic and his one billion furry friends. Yeah. Uh, But uh, Archie just started up... Uh, a Mega Man series a few years ago, and I've I've read a few issues. I want to get more. I've been impressed with them, and I've heard that it's stayed consistently good. Yeah, which is surprising, to be quite honest. But I feel like, you know, there's like this impression that we had back in the day where anything that was a video game related that wasn't a video game was going to be bad by default. And over time, that seems to have eroded it has, but I don't know. I still feel like that there are certain. It might be. I still a feel prejudice. like there are. Maybe I. I don't know. I just. I think I you. I would just would have thought that by especially with the with the video game movies that someone would have by now would have figured out how to translate a video game into a movie, especially with how much more movie like video games are already getting. You know, I would have thought that. You know, someone would have been able to figure out. Okay, this is what we we can use this, but not that. And I don't know. Well, I feel like the, the video games becoming more movie like makes it less valuable to do movies on them. Yeah, maybe that's it. Because you 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 already have pieces where you're playing the game and you just sit there to watch a cutscene, and then you go see a movie and you see the exact same thing just with real people instead of you know, and it's. Yeah, and the difference is that you're the person interacting there, right? Yeah. You're kind of dictating the flow of the story most of the time, even if you're, like, playing as a character that's already predetermined. Now you're playing the movie. So there's, a like, a bigger world building that's going on than can be done just in a two-and-a-half-hour to three-hour span of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why I wonder if a, a television series would make more sense for video game screen adaptations than a movie hmm. which might be why you there are you know there are all these web series that are popping up forward onto dawn is just one of them but you know there's there have been two seasons of one that was made by warner brothers that was called mortal Kombat legacy actually had a few you know at least b-list actors in it and then you had street fighter assassin's fist uh, the interesting thing about assassin's fist was it only even though it only has a few characters from the games that was to its advantage because it was able to tell a much more focused story, and that was pretty much the the origin story of uh, like all the Shoto characters, you know, Ken and Ryu, and and uh, Goken is in it, and so is Akuma, and like the the backstory that they always talk about in the games. That's what this show was about. You see Ken and Ryu being trained, and what their martial art means, and what the Hado means, and all of that. And it had surprisingly good production values, 
And what makes it interesting is that unlike Mortal Kombat Legacy, which was made by Warner Brothers, this one was entirely crowdfunded. Did Capcom like go after them in any way? <laughs> no, uh, they got permission from Capcom to actually make the series. Huh, cool. So Capcom supported them, but the whole, but in terms of you know the money, it was entirely crowdfunded. Wow, interesting. Yeah, and. They it sounded as though they were happy enough with it. Uh, well, the the creators were happy enough with it that they were going to try to make a sequel, and they have said that the sequel they have a script for it, I guess, in some form, and it's called World Warrior, and it would be an adaptation of Street Fighter Two. So I'm hoping that they actually go through with that because if they can keep this level of quality and do an adaptation of Street Fighter Two, it would be really impressive. Interesting. See, I was just thinking, you had asked me about board games from video games, Nate, and I was just thinking one thing that could be interesting, but I don't know how you'd make it. I could see it being done as a two-player game, and I don't know how you'd make it doable as other games, but a cooperative Mario game. Uh, That happened already, didn't it? Uh, A board game? I don't know about that, but... But uh, the first Super Mario Brothers Wii game or whatever it was called was cooperative. You could have four people play. Yeah, well, but, well, play or try to kill each other. It depends. Yeah. But I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about a, a board game because cooperative board games are getting more and more popular. Like Civilization? Civilization uh-huh. is kind of like a board game. <laughs> Although well, Civilization I, I, had a great board game. Um, suddenly, suddenly hearing Eric talk about this, this, did anyone play a board game as kids called Mousetrap? Yes. For some odd reason, I feel like a, a Super Mario board game should be set up like that. Uh. Like you build this funny looking board with blocks and little Goomba tokens or figures or something. A, a and then Goldberg device. <laughs> yeah. And yes. then, yeah. And then you you move your icons and try to proceed through the level and you have to, oh, well, the, the board and you have to use your buddy to play. You and your buddy have to help each other get through it or something. I don't know. That's what comes to my mind. And then okay. every time you play the game, you can design. It's, it'd be like HeroScape where you can design the board however you like so it'd be different each time. Right. Hmm. That would be fun. Yeah. Hey, Eric, we were talking about video game movies. What about board game movies? Well, there's two that um, that jump to mind. That would be Clue and Battleship. Well, I think Clue those are the was, only two ever. <laughs> yeah, Clue was really fun. And they did the whole... They, they did, did this interesting thing where they put different endings in different theaters. And then if you get the DVD or see it on Netflix or whatever, you can see all three endings. Um, That one was just fun to watch. It was fun. It connected well with the game. That's some talented actors in it, too. Yes. Yes. They had Tim Curry as the butler. Yep. Who was amazing. (laughs) Who just steals every scene he's in. (laughs) Tim Curry. It's hard not to. Right, yeah. He's just and running around being crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right, it's um, such a wonderful, quirky movie. It is. And I haven't watched it in a little while, but it is just quirky and, and fun and 
when when you just need to laugh and be quirky, it's a great movie. And has um, some really quotable lines too. See, I was trying to remember them, and probably because they haven't. Well, uh, like there, like there's one where uh, it's said, and actually, in a couple of the endings, where Tim Curry, when they're unraveling the plot, what you know, the murder plot, uh, he Tim Curry says communism was a red herring. <laughs> or uh, one of my one of my favorites because uh, one of my favorites was uh, one of the characters in uh, it says early on in the movie that he's gay. Like he just was like a throwaway line. He just says right up there, "Oh, I'm gay." And then in one of the endings, spoiler alert, uh, turns out that he's actually a federal agent and he's there to arrest everybody. Yeah. And then his, his, the closing line of that ending, which is honestly my favorite of the three endings, is he's walking up the stairs and he looks at everybody and he says, now if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I and the thing that's great is that they had the characters from the board game, and they fleshed them out and actually gave them you know strong personalities yes, and things did. like that. And, yes. and they looked like they did in the move in the game, and yeah. hmm. you know they're all very distinct from each other, and they have great interactions with one another. It's a lot of fun. Here's a question: If you watch the Netflix version, what ending do you get? It gives you all three. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious, since it yeah. seems to be on Netflix right now. Yeah, it is. And I seem to... The one thing about that movie is that there's another movie that came out around the same time um, that was also very good that was based on all the classic 1930s detectives. Um, what was it? I have no idea what Mur- you're talking Death about. Death by Murder. <laughs> Death, Death by, murder. by Murder? And I get the two movies huh. confused because they have very similar personalities. They're both quirky. They're both fun to watch. He was uh, dead. Dead by Murder. But yeah, oh. Death by Murder was... Uh, was in, dun, dun, dun. They could almost both be called the Clue movie because they're both really good. They both give you that atmosphere except that one has the Clue characters and the other has the classic pulp uh, detectives of the 30s. Yeah. Um, the other board game movie was Battleship. <laughs> yeah, <And> Battleship. <laughs> Battleship makes no sense from the standpoint that they threw aliens in there. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's what Battleship battle- is all about. Okay, uh, yeah, when I saw the previews for that, because I, I love that first trailer that they had for it, where they, they hit it completely. That one that it was even going to be you know a, a, a science fiction alien invasion movie until about two thirds of the way through the trailer, yeah. and then they smack you upside the head even more and say, "Oh, Battleship!" Like what? Like the board game? Yeah, it's what? totally about <laughs> Battleship, the board game. It really yeah. should have been. It really should have been called Transformers three point five. <laughs> With they Rihanna called that. Um, <laughs> It feels like it fits in the Transformers universe, definitely, in terms of the movies. Uh, it's like the exact same special effects and the exact same music. But Liam Just Neeson, not Michael but, Bay. Yeah. Liam Neeson does a great job. That uh, is the only reason I would watch it. Yeah, Liam Neeson does a great Liam job. Neeson. He does a because good job I love being Liam himself. He, does, he doesn't have, like, he's not in the movie as much as you want. But the other actors do fairly good in their roles. Yep. It's just that it, 
Was, that was the year of what is his name? Taylor Kitsch? Is that how you say it? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. All I want to. I have not seen Battleship. All of the movie. All I want. All I. All they have to do to make me happy is someone has to say you sank my battleship, and I want the aliens' ultimate super weapon to be giant red pegs that fall out of the sky and impale ships. <laughs> well, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. But- if, if you're in the mood where you want a lot of explosions, it's a great movie. We've been talking about video games being incorporated to other aspects of media and other forms of media. So what is... To, to keep the kind of the same feel, but uh, to go to something a little bit more life-focused, what is something you've done to incorporate faith into full aspects of your life into, instead of just keeping it as one single entity of your life. Hmm. Well, I think Theology Gaming is proof enough of that for the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because <laughs> that was my idea many years ago, to, or two and a half years ago, more so, to integrate theology and video games. And I see a lot of other people are doing the same thing, and we've been meeting up on the internet, and we all kind of have a common idea about how this could work. So, mm-hmm. I... That's why I was excited the the first year I went to Gen Con, which was in 2012, and I stumbled upon Game Church because they had a booth there. And I was excited to find out that there were people like that going out into the gamer culture and telling them about Jesus. I mean, it was just great to see that. Yeah. And I've since... Actually, that weekend, I, that was, uh, I found out about three ministries that go out and reach out to the nerd and geek culture, and, and Game Church was just one of them. Although, I am a little bit upset with Game Church because I've been trying to pitch articles to them, and they keep shooting them down. <laughs> yeah, they're very uh, picky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Send uh, even them though to I, me. Send them to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you took freelance submissions. I'll I have do. to keep that in mind. But I don't pay you. Well. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's fine. Well, I mean, <laughs> a game church doesn't pay either, if I, if I, I think. Yeah, and I, don't I, I am a lot less uh, concerned about your topic. <laughs> well, it, was more, it wasn't so much that they didn't like my topic, it was just that someone had already written about it. Oh, all right, well, that happens. You know, something like that. Yeah. See, you know... But I still love you, game church. <laughs> yes. We love game church. <laughs> <laughs> Great people. Uh, yeah, the Bible says, whatever you do, do it unto the glory of God. And one of the things I was talking about in my growth group last night as we were talking about some stuff was one of my steps is when I'm in my hobbies, just to be more aware of Christ when I'm enjoying my hobbies. Uh, and just not, not to be like this weird, you know, new age, oh, the, the, the spirit is in the atmosphere. and But just to... To be aware of him as I'm enjoying it surrounds hobbies. us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy. To- okay, yeah. <laughs> Just to, to yeah. You know, well, to be- it's part of the things you do. Yeah, it doesn't take much. <laughs> right. Yep. I think well, we could talk about this all day. Of course, <laughs> we probably could. You know, constantly debating the merits of all these different things. Uh, I actually had a few of. Uh, items related to each of the things we talked about that we didn't touch on, but I don't know if we want to regress and continue to talk about the same thing. Yeah, that might not be yeah. helpful. 
But I will say one thing. I think that video games have been inspiring a lot of people to do things, including Christians, which is why we're kind of doing theology gaming and game yes. church and a bunch of these other things. So mm. just like any kind of entertainment media, right? Christians have found them enjoyable and have found ways to interact and improve on those things at yes. the same time. But, yeah, actually, that was something I did want to bring up about. You know, we're talking about all these other interaction, all these other media interactions that video games is happening is having. And do you think that's because you know we're kind of one, maybe one, maybe two generations removed from when video games started, and now all of those kids who played you know Pac-Man and Super Mario Brothers and all those old classic games from the 80s are now old enough that they're getting into media and they're integrating their love of video games into different things or you know that's where a lot of these bands are popping up you know it's like we all love Mega Man let's make a band about Mega Man yeah i i would imagine video games were a formative experience for a lot of people Yes. But and not quite in the same way as they are now, because video games are just everywhere now. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the nostalgia-related stuff, you know, even OC Remix and things like that, were based off a particular kind of video game culture. You know, I mean, we're talking about basically post-video game crash NES kind of stuff. So all of it kind of has this particular character. Now, in terms of what the, well, let's say Xbox generation... <laughs> of video gamers are going to create in contrast is probably going to be very different from what we're seeing now. Yeah. Because I we're the ones creating the media. But in a few generations, hence, things may be very different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Call of Duty, if you're looking at it proportionally, is like the best-selling video game series of all time. Uh, I mean, it's $188 million, and the series is only is like a decade old. And it took yeah. Nintendo like 30 years to get to that point. So, oh, jeez, that's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, although I would argue it's because they is the because EA is it EA was working on that EA. It's um, Activision. Activision. That's because Activision pumps out games like candy. Yeah, when they're they have enough money to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is why I find it ironic that Blizzard merged with them because they have the completely opposite business model. <laughs> In some ways, depends. <laughs> and that's probably why they merged, because, hey, now we have two sources of income. These <laughs> shooter kids and these nerdy kids. Hey, we got both of them. Because those aren't the same? Sometimes they are. Sometimes they are not. <laughs> I, know what you, I know what you mean. But I, I just find it interesting that this increased interaction... Yeah, and is, the internet I, I, makes it more ubiquitous. Yeah. By default. Yes, this is true. Yeah, Yeah, and I think... Like I said, I, I just think it's interesting. You're, it's I think all this stuff, even the bad examples of it, I think shows just how much of a cultural impact video games has had. Even if you just look back at you know the you know the olden days when we were kids and things weren't as prominent. Yeah, because games were actually sold based on word of mouth and not so much on advertising. <laughs> Yes. It was a kind of a very different atmosphere. I'm just Yeah. Yeah. So like even if we like the aesthetics of a game, it wasn't so much like the franchise that was the thing that we were into. Yeah. And then everything came out of that. Mm-hmm. Because people wanted more, etc. So I am curious to see in like a decade how all this is gonna look. Mm-hmm. And whether it's gonna be as 
widespread or if it's going to be more controlled by companies. We, you know, it's hard to really predict at this point. Even if it's not a direct adaptation, I think you're seeing elements of video games making their way into other kinds of media. You know, there have been people who often derogatory in a derogatory sense say that a lot of movies seem more like video games now because of how colorful and intense and and you know rapid fire editing and and all of that and yeah you know, my brother studied to be a video game designer but because his training has now made him really good at just designing games in general whether it's a video game or if it's a board game heck him and his buddy were kicking around ideas where they wanted to make a a pen and paper rpg that was like a fighting game and coming up with mechanics to make that work nice. super weird <laughs> i know but that's it what i mean it, it's the interaction isn't uh, the interaction between video games and other media isn't just adaptations or you know like defiance where you have a game and a and a TV show that are set in the same universe. I wonder when Christians will get more into video games. I mean, let's say from a media production standpoint. Because it does seem like Christians have been a little, um, I wouldn't say so much afraid as weary <laughs> of the influence of video games, at least in most of the congregations I've been in. Well, I think that it, I think that's partly due to the rampant demonization that video games received for a long time, and whatever demonization that they were receiving in the secular media, it seemed like it was ten times worse in Christian circles. <laughs> yeah, I could agree with that. Well, and, and I think that most new forms of art go through that for some reason. Rock and roll went through that. Um, Tabletop RPGs went through that really badly. Movies did too. Yeah, movies definitely went through it a lot. Um, Even just playing cards went through that because people associate playing cards with gambling. Um, It just takes longer for Christians to accept those and then to utilize them. I I don't understand why, but at least in American culture, that seems to be the case. It, It does. And, you know, I was just wondering why is it that way with those things, but not with sports? Uh, well, sports have been around for thousands of years, so. <laughs> yeah, except in sports, you're actually you actually have the potential to physically injure yourself. Much well, I should say it's much greater that you can do that than playing a video game. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> high school kids have died playing sports. You know, football. Oh yeah. You know, yep. but you know, hardly any high school kids die playing video games unless they play an MMO too long. Well, yeah, but. <laughs> That's yeah. just stupid. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, not MMOs. I mean, playing too long is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you have any final conclusions on this topic? Well, it'll be interesting to to see what sort of influences that video games, as you said, video games have in the next you know ten years on other forms of media, and just how much more integration that there might be you know whether it's just something as simple as here's a video game that has a story that runs parallel with you know a movie or something like that or a television show we didn't talk about that enter that horrible enter the matrix game that did that you know back in the day thank goodness we didn't (laughs) yeah but or it could be the other things you know i i'm waiting for the day that someone makes something like an mmo 
where the player's actions in the MMO actually influences like a television series that's based on it. That would be crazy. It would be crazy, and I don't know how you get it to work. It'd probably require a lot of money, but I wonder if that would be a next step or just mm-hmm. you know a step somewhere down the line. You know, so that way you're increasing the interactivity between the player and the game and whatever form of media that you have. Well, as long as it wasn't based on Candy Crush Saga, I think I'd be okay with this. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, and, and Nate, I was just thinking that um, your Destroyer novella. Yeah. That could make an interesting platform game of, of for, you know, like a indie phone platform game of running around Moscow trying to survive as the monster is raging. Oh, yeah. Well, first I should probably explain this. Uh, yeah, oh, uh, I have uh, self-promotion here. Yeah, I have to explain the context <laughs> that he's talking about or else your listeners are going to be confused. I wrote a, uh, a giant monster novella with a couple of friends a few years ago, and it's called Destroyer, and it takes place primarily in Moscow. So that's what he's, that's what he's talking about. Uh, yeah. We had actually at one point talked about trying to make a like our own custom figure for you know Monster Apocalypse of the monster from my book. I remember that. that and cool. it's interesting you bring that up because my brother, the game designer, talked with me about actually trying to make you know like a Final Fantasy sort of style uh, like mobile game based on one of my novels and make it you know a side story from within the universe of the book. Okay. We never got past basic concepts, unfortunately. <laughs> He's busy with other things, but I would have loved to have done that. Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see because I think the future, like like you said, Zach, I think it will be very different because the people that will be creating media in the future, the games they're growing up with now are different than what we grew up with. Yeah, it's going to be They're so strange. vastly different. Um, and so I think things are going to change a lot just because of that. Strange but hopeful. <laughs> yes. Sure, it'll provide plenty of material for future podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Here's hoping. <laughs> All right, before we leave, let's do some shameless self-promotion, as is our <laughs> want. All right, Eric Anderson, we know from Nerd Chapel, which is yep. a ministry that explores the interactions between nerd culture and Christianity. And we yes. can find you where? Uh, Facebook.com slash Nerd Chapel or nerdchapel.blogspot.com, or you can even search for us on YouTube. And you are in the physical world also, correct? (laughs) Yes. uh, We are starting up uh, November 15th. We're having a Nerd Chapel event at Cornerstone University, and we hope to start that up as a monthly thing starting in January. Nice. Super cool. All right. And Nathan Marchand. Yes, I am a writer, as you mentioned, and... Uh, you, my website, you can find where you can find, uh, you know, my me writing some blog posts, some short stories. Find out where I'm going to be at, where I'm going to have signs, all that. My website is Nathan J S Marchand M A R C H A N D dot com. You can also follow me on Facebook. You know, there's a link to my uh, to my Facebook fan page on my website, and uh, I write for a couple of different. Online publications currently have some ongoing gigs with them. One is examiner.com where I write about Narnia, Star Trek, and superheroes. And I also write about all things geeky for gigageekmagazine.com. All right. And anything else? No. 
No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both guests, Nathan and Eric, for being on the podcast. Thank you. It was a pleasure. You have been listening to the Theology Gaming Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to TheologyGaming.com. If you'd like to subscribe to our iTunes feed, because we're on iTunes or our RSS, etc., etc., please go and give us a five-star rating. It really helps us out a lot. Please write a review. And share it with as many people as you can find. <laughs> Even Which I will do, because I'm a shameless self-promoter. Yeah, this is what we do on the Theology Gaming Podcast. <laughs> yep. Shameless self-promotion, baby! Yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to talk to us, we are on Facebook on the Theology Gaming University Facebook group. Just ask me for an invite and we will send you up and running. We talk about lots of things. Many things. A whole lot of things. Yes. <laughs> Some of which don't involve video games. Yeah, yeah, surprisingly enough. <laughs> All right, well, this has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. See you guys around next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Adios. Bye-bye.